ESPN Radio. The March Madness continues, and no, we're not talking about what happened on the hardwood over the weekend. We are talking about the quarterback carousel of 2022. You're listening to Amber Wilson and Chris Canning on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and ESPN+. Plus. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Get at us on Twitter at AmberW790 and at ChrisCanny99. And as always, tap in on the candy call-in line, triple eight say espn that's 888-729-3776. And Amber, we were all speculating over the weekend what would be the next quarterback domino to fall after Deshaun Watson got traded to Cleveland, and we got our answer a little over an hour ago with the Atlanta Falcons dealing Matt Ryan to the Indianapolis Colts for a third-round pick in 2022. I'm a little bit surprised that the asking price was so low for Matt Ryan given the landscape of the quarterback market and seemingly how the Colts were the team that didn't have a chair when the music stopped, but ultimately Chris Ballard was able to make the deal. Uh, we we thought that Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons could potentially be heading down a road where they led to divorce because of the interest and the flirtation with Deshaun Watson. And now all of a sudden we're talking about Matt Ryan being on a playoff contending team rather than being caught in the middle of a full rebuild. Yeah, former MVP, certainly the upgrade for the Indianapolis Colts. You mentioned the third round pick and exchange. I was surprised about that as well. Chris, do you think it could be something as simple as we don't have all the contract details? Ryan is owed a 23.75 mil in cash next season. And if the contract remains as is, the Falcons will be forced to eat Forty and a half million in dead money. That would be the biggest dead money hit in NFL history. So I do wonder if there's some sort of something that we don't know yet in terms of the details where the Colts are going to work something out with the Falcons so the Falcons don't have to take all of that on. I don't know the details there, but if maybe there was something to that nature, maybe that's why you only get a third rounder uh, in mm. exchange for Matt Ryan. Obviously, this situation with Matt Ryan became a complicated one in Atlanta because the Falcons were so public about their desire to go after Deshaun Watson and they turned out the town. They brought in the rappers. They really hard breast and tried to court <laughs> Deshaun Watson and it backfires in a big way. Now there was already talks before them pursuing Deshaun Watson about the Falcons possibly moving on from Matt Ryan and they were apprehensive about committing to him after the season. So it's possible that maybe I guess we could have seen a scenario where where they would have moved on from Matt Ryan anyways. But right now, it can't be a good feeling if you're an Atlanta Falcons fan. No, and it can't be a good feeling if you're a player in that Atlanta Falcons locker room knowing that Matt Ryan is moving on and you seemingly don't have a succession plan that's in place. It makes that pick for Kyle Pitts with the fourth overall selection last year a little bit more of a head-scratcher when Justin Fields is still on the board. They decided they were going to go with a tight end. And when you start power-ranking positional value tight end is on down the line in terms of importance to winning in the National Football League that being said it's you know it's been reported that the Atlanta Falcons are looking at stopgap options guys like Marcus Mariota that are still available in the free agent market but Amber I think one thing that's important to note about the Matt Ryan situation is that he was due a roster bonus initially as of Friday 
um, $7.5 million. The Atlanta Falcons and Matt Ryan agreed to push that until Tuesday, but a deal had to be in place by today in order for the Falcons to avoid having to pay that out. So there was somewhat of a shot clock on this thing, and instead of it being $48 million in dead money, it ends up being $40 million and change in dead money. So from that perspective, I can understand the urgency that the GM from Atlanta operated with in this situation, but I still look at that as a steal for the Indianapolis Colts. You think about what happened. They traded Carson Wentz to the Washington Commanders for a third-round pick in 2023 that can turn into a second-round pick if Wentz takes 70% of the snaps, and they swap second-round picks this year with the Indianapolis Colts getting the 42nd pick and the Commanders getting the 47th pick. So, This is one of those situations where the Colts are coming up aces after not really having a pathway or a plan in order to figure out what you're doing after Carson Wentz. They basically flipped Carson Wentz for Matt Ryan, and anybody would take that and a deal. Sw- and a swap of second-round picks. <laughs> I mean, it's, it is. It's a remarkable job by the Colts, and it's funny because uh, two hours ago, you and I were having a conversation off-air about how the Colts right now are one of the losers of the offseason, yep. and then here we are a couple hours later, and that looks very, very different with Matt Ryan now at the helm. Now, Matt Ryan, obviously a, an older quarterback, but still an incredible quarterback, really. I mean, he's he, like you mentioned, There has been a lack of weapons around him in Atlanta, and so it's been easy to gloss over him uh, for many years now, frankly, and for what in the numbers that Matt Ryan has put up in Atlanta, but there hasn't been much of a fall off for Matt Ryan, even though he's entering his late 30s, and of course, the Indianapolis Colts are trying to win now. Now they're in a win now kind of situation because of this upgrade. So a great job by the Colts. I don't know what this means for the Falcons. I guess this means a rebuild for the Atlanta Falcons, but a third round pick ain't going to help you rebuild very much. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. You're listening to Amber Wilson and Chris Canning on ESPN radio. And it's time for straight talk brought to you by straight talk wireless. So Amber, with this move, where does this put the Indianapolis Colts in the landscape of the AFC South and overall in the conference? Where do you rank them in comparison to some of the other teams that they're going to be contending with for a playoff spot? Well, obviously, the the AFC South being pretty weak, right? So it's, it's basically it's the Titans or the Colts. Does this yep. catapult the Colts over the Titans? I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I'm willing to go there yet uh, because I don't think that the Titans had a fair shot this season in terms of health. Now, given that plagued a lot of teams this season, it ain't always an excuse, but for the majority of the season, it's a reason. And for the majority of the season, I mean, we're talking about Matt Ryan or uh, Tannehill's most important weapons that were missing significant time. All of his favorite weapons were missing significant time and obviously his help in the backfield as well. So I still would put the Titans at the top of the AFC South, but the Colts are definitely right there nipping at their heels now. And then the rest of the division, I mean, forget about it. Well, yeah, that's the interesting part about it. I mean, when you look at the teams, I would say offensively, they're they're pretty close. I mean, I don't know that you can give Tennessee the edge when it comes to Derrick Henry over what the Colts have in Jonathan Taylor. I would say offensive line, I trust what the Colts are bringing to the table a little more so, especially when it comes to run blocking. Um, Receivers, obviously, you would give the edge to the Tennessee Titans with A.J. Brown, but then I look at the defensive side of the ball, and Amber, I don't think that's close at all. I I really don't. I I think the Colts' defense is head and shoulders above 
what the Tennessee Titans are bringing to the table. Now, I think the only question is how that Colts defense is going to be affected by the absence of Matt Eberflus. But you're talking about a defense that's been top 10 the last couple of years in the National Football League, and they've got playmakers on every single level of that defense. DeForest Buckner is there. They've got uh, um, Darius Leonard as their uh, what are, you know patrolling the inside of that defense at the linebacker spot. Um, you got Kenny Moore the second. I mean, they've got players all over that defense. So I, I don't, you know, I look at this situation for the Colts, and I say this is a massive upgrade. They're going to get competent quarterback play, and I think that's going to be the biggest differentiating factor in terms of what their season is going to look like. If you think about how it ended for them last year, losing the second to last game against the Raiders at home and then losing on the road in Jacksonville where Carson Wentz has a 4.3 QBR, you're not going to get the lows that you saw from Carson Wentz with Matt Ryan. And I think that's something that Frank Wright can win with. We saw Frank Wright get to the playoffs with – Phillip Rivers, who finished 17th in total QBR that season two years ago. So I, I just – I trust this organization. I trust their ability to be able to build out a roster. They do have a little bit of cap flexibility, so they can continue to add some pieces to supplement what Matt Ryan brings to the table. I feel like Indy's in a pretty good spot considering that 24 hours ago we had them as one of the biggest offseason losers because of how things shook out with the quarterback carousel. I think you just talked me into the fact that they could easily win this division, though, that they might be better than the Titans. So where do you have them? I mean, it does the addition of Matt Ryan make the Colts a Super Bowl contender instantaneously? Like, is, is it that important? Because we are obviously we're talking about a quarterback who has been there before. He did not mm. win one, of course, quite infamously. It's been six years, though, since he was an MVP, since he had his best season, right? And there hasn't been a ton of tapering off, like I said, but there's been a little bit over the last couple years. But do you think the Colts now enter that kind of conversation? Is that what we're talking about here? No, I don't think we're talking about that. I think we're looking at the Colts as a team that could potentially win their division. I think the ceiling on them is making an appearance in the divisional round, which would be a step in the right direction. You know, we were talking about when are they going to get a playoff win when are they going to be able to take that step? We thought that Carson Wentz could bring that to the table. He didn't. I absolutely think that Matt Ryan can put them in position to do that. So I think that would be the ceiling that I would put on this team. But it makes it interesting what Indy does, both in the short term and the long term, because now that you've traded for Matt Ryan, what do you do with his contract? Is that something that Matt Ryan is going to want addressed? And does that alter the plan that you had going into this year's NFL draft? I think those are all questions that Chris Ballard and Frank Reich are going to have to answer in short order. So Indy is one of those teams that's going to be really interesting to watch just because of how strong the overall roster is. But having a competent quarterback like Matt Ryan makes a world of difference. That Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. So after 14 seasons, Matt Ryan is moving on to the Indianapolis Colts. Coming up next, what does that mean for the current backup quarterback of the Cleveland Browns? We'll explain, but first, a word from Vivid Seats. With the safe return of live events, you can actually be there to catch all the action in person with Vivid Seats. That's right, every alley-oop, every one-timer, and every sideline grab can be experienced live. And with Vivid Seats rewards, you can earn rewards like free tickets. All you got to do is collect stamps, redeem, and repeat. It's that easy. From the upper level to courtside, Vivid Seats has you covered all the events that matter to you. So grab your tickets today and cheer on your favorite team from the stands. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, life 
happens live. Five-year, $230 million contract, full $230 million guaranteed. From a football standpoint, Deshaun Watson is better than Baker Mayfield. That's why he got that contract and Baker didn't. You're listening to Amber Wilson and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, and ESPN+. And Amber, Baker Mayfield has been very vocal about what he wants. Even going back to early last week, the quarterback was upset that the Cleveland Browns were openly flirting with Deshaun Watson, trying to recruit him to join the Cleveland Browns, Uh, so much so that even after Deshaun seemingly eliminated the Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield requested a trade. We learned today that one of the teams that he requested a trade to was the Indianapolis Colts. That was his preferred destination, or at least it's been rumored that that was his preferred destination. But now that that seat has been filled, that leaves a lot of people wondering where exactly does Baker Mayfield end up? Now, folks are adamant that are, you know, with, you know, folks are adamant that have knowledge of the situation that he's not going to play for the Cleveland Browns under any circumstances this year. So where do you think that leaves Baker in terms of the potential landing spots moving forward? Can we just take a moment to reflect on the fact that Baker Mayfield is telling the Browns to send him to the Colts like that? (laughs) That's something. Baker Mayfield's out here living life like he's got a no trade clause. Now, I, Chris Ganty, am a Baker Mayfield fan because if Baker Mayfield's not a high profile starting quarterback in the NFL, then we're no longer going to get Baker Mayfield, the actor in all these major commercials. And we all need that in our lives because he is by far the best actor in the NFL. So I'm out here rooting for Baker, but even I had a chuckle at that when that news broke that he's out here trying to tell the Browns where to send him with the situation and the way that that relationship has frankly gone South between Baker Mayfield and the Browns. And so obviously the Browns wouldn't have cared anyway, where Baker wanted to be sent, but the Colts are off the table. Maybe the Carolina Panthers, we know that they were in on pursuing Watson at one point. Is Baker Mayfield, I mean, he's an upgrade over Sam Darnold, right? So if you're the Carolina Panthers, would you be interested in Baker Mayfield? No, I don't think I would. I mean, I'm I'm basically taking one 2018 reclamation project and trading it in for another. And meanwhile, I can't move on from Sam Darnold because that's a $19 million contract guaranteed fifth-year option. I I don't know that I want to take on another $19 million salary, and I've got $38 million allocated to the quarterback position for mediocre quarterback play. I don't know that that's the direction that David Tepper was looking to go in. Um, So we'll see. I I just – I don't know. I look at the the potential landing spots for Baker, and the only one that seems like it makes any sense would be the Seattle Seahawks just because – they don't have an incumbent. They traded Russell Wilson. They got over a bevy of picks and players, and it seems like that could be a plug-and-play situation for Baker. Now, the offensive line in Seattle is awful, especially in comparison to what Baker is leaving in Cleveland. The skill position players, I mean, you got some guys to work with. Noah Fant, DK Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett. That That's formidable, but for a guy that has a lot to prove, I, I think it's all about putting yourself in the best position in order to be able to command the kind of contract that you want on the free agent market going into 2023. And right now, I don't see a lot of places where Baker Mayfield is going to make that happen. You also consider the NFC West. That's a heavy lift when Mm -hmm. you're talking about facing off against Matt Stafford, Kyler Murray, and whatever San Francisco does between Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. I I just, I don't like, I don't like any of the potential options that are out there for Baker. I just also don't see a lot of options out there for Baker. 
Well, you're not going to compete in the NFC West with Drew Locke at the helm, right? I don't know if you're going to compete with Baker Mayfield at the helm either, but you're right. Maybe the Seahawks see that as an upgrade. They also have 40 million or over 40 million, I think, in cap space. The Panthers also have over 30 million in cap space. So even though they have to pay Darnold, they could bring in Baker and try to upgrade at that position. Is there a team that we're not thinking of? Like the Detroit Lions, they have Jared Goff. It hasn't worked out. It doesn't look pretty. They, they have some room. I mean, could there be, they think, hey, Baker's younger, he's cheaper, and most importantly, arguably maybe more resilient. He's like the tough guy under center to his detriment since he ended up getting injured this season on a tackle that he should have never made and then tried to play through that injury, harming his value and, and probably shouldn't be such the tough guy. But we know Baker is. Does that fit into a team like Detroit? And so they want to move on from a Jared Goff. Is there a market out there that we're not thinking of as necessarily having a need? No, I don't think he fits in in Detroit. I, I don't. And I, and I know Dan Campbell. He's a former teammate of mine. I think the most important thing that Detroit did is turn around that culture. And I know it doesn't show up in the way of wins and losses, but you could see that that was a team that fought every single game. You had to earn your win against the Detroit Lions. And I don't know that Baker Mayfield is a guy that seems like he's okay with going into a situation that's a true meritocracy. This guy is clearly entitled by the way he acted on his way out of Cleveland. I should say, you know, on his way to being out of Cleveland. Um, but but certainly the way that things went down at the end of last year with the Odell Beckham Jr. saga, which ultimately led to the franchise cutting him, and then the glow-up that OBJ had with the Rams and seeing how he was able to perform once he got with a competent quarterback, I think that makes a difference and that reflects poorly on Baker. And it's all about the leadership intangibles. Forget about the physical attributes because that's one thing, but just – the ability to galvanize the locker room, the ability to lead your team, the ability to help set the agenda with the coaching staff or what the players are going to do week in and week out. That, that's something that Baker needs to improve at. That's something that he's lacking. And right now, if you're a team that's trying to reestablish a culture, that would be the last player that I would want to introduce to my locker room. So, again, I, I don't know – that there are going to be a lot of takers for what Baker Mayfield is bringing to the table. I mean, if you just look at the Colts situation on its face, they decided that they'd rather go with Matt Ryan, who's 38 years old. They'd rather go in that direction than go after a quarterback who's, what, 26, 27 years old in Baker Mayfield? Right, but there's We'd no questions. We'd rather do that. There's no questions, though, with Matt Ryan. Like, obviously, with Baker Mayfield, there's some questions there. So I, I understand the Colts' position because they are trying to win now. They weren't trying to build – but I have a hard time believing that they're – and I, I'm with you. Like, I don't, I don't see where it is right now. I don't see an easy fit here. But I also have a hard time believing that there isn't going to be a market for this former number one pick who's still young, who, who had a good season that we're just only a season removed from, who had reasons last season to have not performed well with the injury that everybody knows about and playing through it. The Browns would save an instant $18.8 million if they are to trade him, assuming the next team takes on his contract. So – I. We see you mentioned it, Carson Wentz. Like we see these quarterbacks that that get chance and chance and opportunity and opportunity when we don't expect them to. Mitchell Trubisky was the darling of this off season for a moment because he stood next to Josh Allen. It took him a year though. It took him That's a year of true. being a backup. It took him a year of being Fair. a backup quarterback. And I don't necessarily see Baker Mayfield accepting that role without being disgruntled about it. That's the part that I think teams are going to be wary about because I don't know that there is a situation outside of Seattle where an organization is just going to hand him a starting quarterback job. So I guess that's the question. 
Will Baker Mayfield be a week one starter next season? Hit us up on the Candy Call in line, 888-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Coming up next, ESPN College basketball reporter Myron Metcalf joins us to help us make sense of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. You're listening to Amber Wilson and Chris Canny, ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. The Cleveland Browns organization released statements about the Deshaun Watson acquisition. The Cleveland Browns put out three statements to rationalize with themselves that they did the work, and now they're leaning toward believing him. Amber Wilson and Chris Canning on ESPN Radio and E+. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Will Baker Mayfield be a week one starter this coming season? Tap in on the Candy Call in line, 888-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. McGuire, Roy, Jacob, Jimmy, Brandon, we see you, and we're going to get to you in a second. But right now, Amber, we got to go out to the call in line and bring on our good friend, ESPN college basketball reporter and ESPN radio host Myron Metcalf. And Myron, it's great to talk to you. We appreciate a few minutes of your time. We're going to get to what we saw on the hardwood with the NCAA tourney this past weekend in a second. But we got to lead off with the breaking news of the day with Matt Ryan being shipped from the Atlanta Falcons to the Indianapolis Colts. Your initial thoughts on the move? I think it's a great move for Matt Ryan at this point in his career. I mean, to go to that run-heavy offense like that. I mean, the Colts just need someone to be better than Carson Wentz. I don't think that's too much to ask. So I think it's a great spot for, for Matt Ryan. Uh, and I think it makes him a more competitive team going to next season. So it, it feels like a smart move. I don't think it gets you to the Super Bowl, but I do think it can get you into the playoffs. Definitely an upgrade there for the Colts. Now, Myron, we heard your voice coming in talking about the Deshaun Watson trade to the Browns, a historic trade, a historic payday for Deshaun Watson. I was shocked that that was part of this, that he got paid like a free agent four years early in the midst of everything that he's been uh, going through, to put, to put it lightly. Uh, what are your thoughts there with Deshaun Watson and the size of the deal and the way that it was structured? I mean, someone was going to sign him, so that part's not surprising. And I think once you sign Deshaun Watson, you meet his demands, and I'm sure he wanted his deal structured a certain way. I see a Cleveland Browns team trying to justify this, and I think they're trying to tell everyone, hey, look, it isn't what you think. They're telling us Deshaun's going to be a new man. Well, a new man from what? What did he do? Can you tell us? Because it seems like they want to just move on, and I don't think it will be that simple. I think with all those statements and with everything attached to this deal, they're certainly not saying that they don't believe Deshaun Watson and, and his response to these accusations. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all unfolds. But once you take on Deshaun Watson, you get everything that comes with that. And there are 22 accusations against him that are still unresolved. And this is going to be an ongoing thing. Talking with ESPN college basketball reporter Myron Metcalf, on ESPN Radio. And, Myron, you got a story on .com about reseeding the Sweet 16 and how Gonzaga might be the best team in the NCAA field, hands down. Can you explain your rationale as to why you think Gonzaga is the team to beat? Well, let me start by saying my bracket is broken. So, you know, this is coming <laughs> from a person who is not going to win anything uh, in this entire experience. But I think Gonzaga is still the toughest matchup. I think Chet Holmgren and what he's able to do defensively his range, I think it's still just difficult for any team to handle. You saw what Drew Timmy did against Memphis in the second half. He is just a different kind of player, veteran leader on that team. And I think their guard play is pretty good. 
And I think when you have that balance, offense and defense, which they do, those teams tend to win national championships. So I think Gonzaga is in a really good place. But I thought Baylor was in a good place. I thought Kentucky was in a pretty good place. And I thought <laughs> Auburn and Tennessee were also in good places. So take everything I'm saying with a grain of salt. So, Myron, everyone's bracket is busted because for the second year in a row, we have, what, the most unpredictable NCAA men's tournament, I think, of all time. Is this a new trend that we're headed to where this tournament is completely unpredictable that so many, you know, top seeds are going down and it's not just the St. Peter's of the world advancing, but there's so much to the disparity already headed into the Sweet 16. So do you think that this is a new trend or is this a flash in the pan in 2021 and 2022? No, I, I do think it's a new trend, Amber. I think we're going to see more and more of this. Like, we don't have any more great teams in college basketball. Like, you don't have those old-school 90s teams where guys have been together for three or four years. Like, that's over. If you're good enough, you're trying to go pro by your freshman year and at the latest your sophomore year. So you're not seeing those teams that have come together for multiple seasons. And I think that makes everybody more vulnerable. This Gonzaga team I just mentioned, really good team. This is Chet Holmgren's first year, and freshmen tend to struggle at this point in the season. Um, so they're still dealing with that youth challenge. So I think as long as you have more and more one-and-dones kind of mixing with other players, and now the transfer portal, so many guys are going from one team to the next, you don't have the same continuity. So I think you can have a really good team without having a really experienced team, and that to me means when you come to this point, a team gets hot and anything can happen. Talking with ESPN Radio host Myron Metcalf on ESPN Radio. And, Myron, I thought the game of the weekend, beyond the St. Peter's upsets, had to be North Carolina and Baylor. And it was a game of huge swings. Carolina up by 25 in the second half. And Baylor comes roaring back after Brady Manick gets ejected for throwing that elbow to the face of Sohan. Were you surprised that the absence of Brady Manick loomed as large as it did in that game? And exactly what is the ceiling for this Carolina team with their big three? Yeah, I was shocked. I mean, Brady Manning is a really, really good player. So I understood he would have an impact, but they just seemed to freeze after that. And you're up 25. And that's, I don't know how many teams have ever blown a 25 point lead in any game ever. So that was certainly shocking. And I think it also showed the poise of a Baylor team that still has some guys on that roster from last year's national championship team. And Scott Drew was really coaching those guys up. But I certainly felt like North Carolina was going to lose after Baylor came back, but they held on in overtime, and guess what? You advance, and that's all that matters. You mentioned Gonzaga's youth problem there. The other number ones left in this tournament as well, Arizona, Kansas, they they struggled too. So down the stretch here, are we concerned about how the number ones are going to fare? Like, could we get into an Elite Eight or Final Four situation where there's no number ones left? I don't think that will happen, but again, my bracket is broken. So you all <laughs> might want to take what I'm saying and do the opposite because I think Gonzaga's really good, but again, they're not a great team. They're a really good team, not great. I feel the same way about Kansas. I feel the same way about an Arizona team that I thought was going to lose to TCU. I mean, if you turn on that game with five minutes to play, you're like, man, Arizona is in a lot of trouble. But I think with all of those teams you mentioned, Really good players, some new faces. Kansas, incorporating Remy Martin from Arizona State. He's just now getting into a rhythm. Really good player that can change that team, but still they're kind of coming together in a new way now that he's playing this way. You have an Arizona team that has some young pieces as well. So I think anytime that's a circumstance, uh, it seems like anything can happen. And I don't think there's a team, I don't think there's a team that's better than the Baylor and Gonzaga teams that played for the national championship 
last year. So I think all of these teams are, for the most part, at a similar level. Myron, real quick while we got you, I wanted to ask you to chime in on what you saw from Michigan over the weekend, a team that fought and scratched to get into the NCAA tournament, battled adversity at the end of the regular season, knowing that Juwan Howard had got suspended after that Wisconsin game. They fought their way into the tournament, and now we're talking about them being in the Sweet 16 for the fifth time in the last six seasons. What exactly did you see from Michigan, and what do you think the ceiling on this team is? Well, I was just texting with Chris Weber. You know, he was telling me that, you know, the Fab Five might be there. We'll see, you know, the Sweet 16. But that was cool to see him celebrating with Jawan Howard. Uh, I just think they're sort of peaking at the right time. Hunter Dickinson has been great all year. And now he's just sort of hitting that stride, showing how dominant of a player that he can be. No one ever questioned Jawan Howard's coaching. He's always been a good coach. But I think what happened with Greg Gard and the five-game suspension, you just didn't know if they'd be able to pick up a rhythm. You didn't know if they'd get into the tournament. Uh, and then that got in, and now they're playing with that chip. I think a lot of those guys heard all the buzz, all the noise. You don't belong in the tournament, and if you do, you should be sent to Dayton for a first four game. People are showing the clip of your coach throwing a punch at Wisconsin, and I think they feel like everybody's against them, and it's worked in their favor. How far can they go? I thought Tennessee was the third-best team in the field, so it feels like anything's possible if they continue to play that way. All right, Myron, well, we appreciate a few minutes of your time, and I'm pretty sure we're going to be tapping you on the shoulder to come back on and break down more of the tournament. We'll talk to you again soon, my friend. Sounds good. Anytime. All right, that's ESPN college basketball reporter Myron Metcalf on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. You could save big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. Coming up next, your calls on Baker Mayfield and whether or not he'll be a week one starter this upcoming season. You're listening to Amber Wilson and Chris Canny, ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio and E Plus and Amber, we're reacting to the news that Matt Ryan was traded from the Falcons to the Colts, which brings up the question, where will Baker Mayfield land next season and will he be a week one starter? We know that the Colts were one of Baker's preferred destinations and that's the question that we wanted our listeners to chime in on on the Canny call-in line. We actually just had a caller drop during the break because we got the breaking news from our very own Adam Schefter. The Falcons announced that they have agreed to terms on a two-year contract with quarterback Marcus Mariota, who reunites with head coach Arthur Smith. The two spent time together with the Tennessee Titans organization. So, with that being said, will Baker Mayfield be a week one starter next season? Let's go out to McGuire in Illinois. McGuire, you're on ESPN Radio. What up? Hey, uh, I think the answer to the question is no. I don't think he'll be a week one starter, but I think that's a bit misleading. I definitely think he's a top 32 quarterback in the league, and I hope he gets to go to the Panthers. I think uh, Baker's already always had a bit of a chip on his shoulder, and so after not landing Deshaun Watson, that's going to weigh heavy on whoever the quarterback of the Panthers is. We've already seen that Darnold doesn't play well under pressure, and I think they'd be better off with Baker. I do have a hard time believing that Sam Darnold will be a starter in this league over Baker Mayfield or again before Baker Mayfield. I mean, it's remarkable, like what we're talking about here. Mariota, he's and now I understand there's a relationship there with the head coach from the Titans. Fine. And from all reports, I guess Arthur Smith is a huge Marcus Mariota fan. But Marcus Mariota has apparently uh, some attraction here. Chris Canty, we Mm. already talked about Carson Wentz. Mitchell Trubisky was the darling. I, I mean, all the, there's so many guys around the league that you certainly wouldn't consider 
quarterbacks that are shoe-ins for any job, and Baker Mayfield, we're only a season removed from him having a very good season. If we were having this conversation a year ago, it would have sounded ludicrous. So I, I, I have a hard time believing that there wouldn't be some sort of starting position for Baker. Well, the thing I'll say to push back on that, Amber, is if it was just a matter of productivity or the lack thereof, you can explain that away with the injury that Baker Mayfield suffered on his non-throwing shoulder, right? A torn labrum is a torn labrum. Like, that's a major injury, even if it's not on his throwing shoulder, and it's going to affect his mechanics as a quarterback. So you can understand that. The part that people have a hard time reconciling is why Baker Mayfield essentially was this polarizing figure within the locker room. When the organization released Odell Beckham, that locker room was split. There were a lot of guys that wanted Odell to still be a part of it, and I think that speaks volumes or rather is an indictment on the leadership that you're getting from the quarterback position. So this is going to be something that we have to continue to watch. But will Baker Mayfield be a week one starter? We're taking your calls on that question next. This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Five-year, $230 million contract, full $230 million guaranteed. From a football standpoint, Deshaun Watson is better than Baker Mayfield. That's why he got that contract and Baker didn't. You're listening to Amber Wilson and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio and E+. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Get at us on Twitter at AmberW790 and at ChrisCanny99. Amber, let's go out to the candy call in line. We got a bunch of people that want to chime in on Baker Mayfield and whether or not he'll be a week one starter this coming season. Let's go out to Jimmy in Pittsburgh. Jimmy, you're on ESPN Radio. What up? What's going on, Chris? How you doing, man? Doing pretty good. What you got for us today? All right, so I'm going to let you know this right now. Detroit, you got to admit that, of course, Baker's better than Jared. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm from Carolina. I'm a big Carolina fan all the way across the board, and I believe we should bring him back over Sam Darnold. And then, I mean, also I'll have to say, I'd probably say he should have went to Atlanta. I know that's already done deals. But, I mean, of course, like you said, the relationship. Um, and then as well, if Jimmy G's not up, I'm going to say Seattle is going to be looking at him. You got you to gotta be on the same page with me right there. Well, Jimmy, I'm not on the same page with you with the Detroit Lions take. I mean, Jared Goff did go to the Super Bowl with Sean McVay and the L.A. Rams. Now, I get it. You're talking about Sean McVay, one of the very best and brightest coaches in the National Football League. I can understand that. But you also have to factor into the math. Baker Mayfield did not get along with Kevin Stefanski at the end and publicly criticized the organization and acknowledged that there was friction between the player and the coaching staff. That's not exactly where you want to be in terms of a quarterback, you know, in, in your leadership intangibles. That's the part that seems like it's an indictment on Baker Mayfield's sports character. And I don't know that there are many teams that are willing to take a risk on Baker based on the talent, knowing the baggage that he's bringing into your franchise. So, Amber, that's where I'm at with it. I don't think it's just strictly a matter of a lack of production in 2021. I think it's all of the other factors that we all saw come to a head at the end in Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, I guess those other factors now, the noise is loud, and I'm sure the Browns wish maybe that that news didn't get out there, the information that they were looking for an adult, and that's one reason that they wanted to move on from Baker. <laughs> it's catapulting his trade value, all this other stuff around Baker Mayfield off the field. I don't know if Jared Goff is any better than Baker Mayfield. I mean, I feel more confident that Baker Mayfield, frankly, is the better quarterback. I understand the success Jared Goff had. I also think Jared Goff was in a very good situation, and hey, by the way, 
day when they upgraded in that situation, they won a Super Bowl out of it. So it shows what a good situation he was in there. Yeah, but Amber, here's the part about that. When you're bringing up that example, here's the one thing, and I I don't mean to cut you off, but we don't know how good the Cleveland Browns could potentially be. We haven't seen the other side of this. There's a lot of talent on that team. They were a top-five defense from a year ago. They were stacked when it came to talent on the skill positions. They have one of the best offensive lines in all of football. They had one of the best running games in all of football. We don't know how good the Cleveland Browns can actually be. It could be a similar situation to what we saw in L.A. with the Rams with Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. It could be a similar situation where the upgrade at quarterback automatically catapults this team into title contention. And so – I understand the example that you're making, but we could actually see the very same thing with Baker Mayfield this year with the Cleveland Browns and Deshaun Watson taking that team further than Baker ever could. Well, we could, and I think the last time we saw Deshaun, he's a better quarterback than Matt, than Matt Stafford, right? I think we'd probably yes. both agree on Agreed. that. So we could see that, which is why the Browns have to trade him away now before we get an opportunity to see that very thing. In Detroit, they could save $10 million by designating Goff a post-June 1st release. So they could save $10 million. They'd have to pick up the what Baker's $18.8 million, and then they could still draft somebody if they wanted to. Now, I doubt they're going to want to draft a quarterback in this draft with the second pick in this draft, but they could still try to address that situation. Whatever team Baker goes to, it doesn't preclude them from addressing the quarterback situation because we're talking about one year with Baker Mayfield. You don't necessarily have to sign up for the future for him. Yeah, but here's the thing, Amber. If you're the Detroit Lions, first of all, is Baker Mayfield enough of an upgrade to get rid of a player that you know for a player that you really don't? And that's that's one question that Dan Campbell would have to answer. Now, Baker Mayfield doesn't strike me as a Dan Campbell guy. And I know because he's my former teammate. We played together in Dallas. Like, he's a salt-of-the-earth kind of coach. And he has no tolerance for nonsense. So, I don't know that Baker Mayfield fits into what he's trying to establish culturally. But beyond that, we both acknowledge that Jared Goff is just a bridge to whatever the Detroit Lions are going to do long-term. Similar to what Baker Mayfield would be in any situation that he would step into now. If you're the Lions and you're seriously considering drafting a quarterback, do you want a rookie in that room with Baker Mayfield after you saw the way that he acted on his way out of Cleveland? I I wouldn't. If I'm trying to develop a franchise quarterback, I can't rely on Baker Mayfield to be somebody that can be an asset in regards to developing him, somebody that can help him be an extra set of eyes on the sideline. I can't depend on Baker to think about anybody else other than Baker which is what we've seen in four years in Cleveland. So I would have some serious concerns if I was an organization considering that. Now, if you're Seattle, maybe those are things that you can look past because you're not ready to draft a quarterback. Maybe that could be your approach. So we'll have to see. I still doubt that there is one of those landing spots for Baker, but we'll find out. Coming up next, are the Colts now legitimate Super Bowl contenders? We'll have the answer.